Well, get over it. All right. All right. When I when I read, hey, 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 hey. When I read from when I read from God's word, just pay attention. All right, here we go. 14 through 21, prayer for spiritual power. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height, and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk about what this passage means, then ask, so what So what, you know, who cares? What, maybe not who cares, but so what does that mean to us? And then now, at the end, we're going to ask now, what do we need to do with that? Okay, so we're going to think about what it means uh, and what to do with that and then how to apply it to our lives. So now, when you read books, which I think some of you do read books sometimes. Sometimes we read books. Macy reads books. Now, this... uh, (laughs) So this passage, this passage right here starts with, for this reason, in verse 13, 14. What type of word, what kind of little phrase is that, for this reason? If it says that, what would you think that would tell you about everything beforehand in the previous passage that we read? Like if you read something in in the Bible or in a book and it says, therefore, is what you read before just as important as about... Yeah, it's about, the effect. yeah, it's like cause, some causation, some, some effect, some relative. So when he says, for this reason, looking back at the verses that we talked about last week, which was 1 through 13, do you remember what he talked about? Like, why, why is he saying, all right, for this reason, I'm going to pray for you. Do you remember what he was talking about last week? No? No? Last week, remember, he, we broke into groups and he talked about, I'm in jail, don't be discouraged by that, right? He said, it's actually for your benefit that I'm in jail. And so he tells them in verse 13 specifically what, Andrew? 13? Yeah. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. So he says, hey, don't lose heart over how I'm suffering. Paul knew that he had been given the ministry of this church, but also the ministry of the gospel, but also he had been given the ministry to suffer on their behalf. And so he did not see his sufferings as accidental. Remember last week we talked about when we go through hard things in life, sometimes we can shake our hands at God and ask why, but then we realize if we slow down and we thank the Lord, even for the tough times, we realize it's not an accident, even if it's really difficult to go through. And so it is Paul's deep desire for this reason that he wants them to know and see that God's power is in all things. And because of that, it makes him want to pray for them. So that's, that's quite, 
quite an important deal. So when he gets to praying for them in verses 16 through 19, which is where I want you to look now, what are the four requests he makes on their behalf? Try to figure that out. Macy, find the first one. In verse 16. He says, I want, it, I want him to grant you what? To be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Okay, so he says, hey, I don't want you to just be strong on the outside. I want you to be strong on the inside. So do you find that in, like, in your life when times get tough, like what helps you to keep going? It's the things that are inside of you, right? Now, can't all look like Gavin there, just a handsome, strong man, okay? So, what? But, you know, so physical strength is important. And the Bible actually tells us that, like, running and training your, your body is important. But what's inside of us is what will carry us on. So he, he asks for what again, Macy? To do what? To give them strength in their... Okay. And then what else? What's next? There you go. <laughs> hey, man, I would... If I, if I had it, I would... So Christ would dwell in their hearts. So that's doubling down on the fact, where's your heart? <laughs> on, the, on the inside. In the Bible, the Bible, the Bible attacks the heart. How, Emma? It realized that, that you, you have a physical heart, but a lot of times when it says heart, is it talking about your physical heart that beats? No, it's talking, of, it's talking what? Your spiritual heart, right? Which verse is that? 17. So you got the next one. Um, so it says rooted and firmly established. So let's think about something that's super relative to you guys, although I don't know that all of you would have been alive. Um, well, most of you were born when? Like 2005? Yeah. Huh? No. So, so most of you, you know what Hurricane Katrina is, even if you weren't alive. And if you were alive, I think I was talking to your dad about the other day when we were driving back from the tournament, we were talking about Katrina. So I was in the 10th grade when Hurricane, the 11th grade when Hurricane Katrina came through. So I was how old you were. And even in North Mississippi, like the weather got really bad and it flooded, but we didn't really have any losses. Now down here, it was quite a different story, right? It was catastrophic. Now, some of the things that were incredible to see um, after the storm passed and the waters receded were how like everything fall, fell away except some of these like really, really old oak trees that are still there today. Yeah. Now, why do you think like even the strongest building in the casino would topple over yet this, this tree that's been... The foundation isn't really strong. The, the oak trees have deep roots. They have deep roots, right? So the, the gospel should be like... Hey, and... We're done. And so the tree is, the tree is, uh, I would drop it if it wouldn't break. The, uh, the tree is deeply, deeply, deeply rooted into the foundation. And so it probably lost some limbs and leaves, but at the end of the day, it stayed, right? And so Paul, what uh, Griffin said, he wants us to be deeply rooted. And then what's, what's the last two things? What about verses 18? Have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Mm-hmm. What it it says um, after that? What does it say, Parks? It gives, what is the breadth? Breadth, like the width. And length, and height, and depth of God's love. So, do you think Paul? Let me 
Who's getting grammar here? All right. Hyperbole. That means like an exaggeration. Do you think Paul is speaking hyperbolically there? Like you can't actually measure God's love, but he's saying like, I want you to plumb the depths of just how incredibly vast it is. So he says, hey, what about the breadth, the width, the depth, the height? He says, may you know that. Um, And then the last thing he says, David, in verse 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Yeah, so love that surpasses knowledge. We'll come back to that in a minute. So in the previous passage that we studied last week, Paul talked a lot about the importance of the family the church, the family of God, and we talked about that. Like we're the local church, and then we have like the big capital C church, which is all Christians everywhere. Where do you see this idea from last week continued in this prayer? So he is literally, even though it's written out, he's literally praying for these people in this passage. Where do you see that idea? He says in verse 15, what does he say? From every... Verse 15, Jack? Family. From every family, what? Is named. Okay. So there he says it there. What about verse 18? What does he say? With uh with what saints? It doesn't say. Yours is worded like slightly Well it should say with all the saints. So he's he says with all the saints. And then in verse 21, he says what? To him be the glory in the church. church. In, Jesus in Jesus Christ. So he, he's keeping this idea of the importance of family, the importance of church. It's going right through to the end of this prayer. Now in verse 16, which we pointed out, God, Paul asks God to strengthen um, the Ephesians according to what? The riches of his glory. Now this is where I want you to participate with me. What do you think, according to the riches? Why would Paul say, Paul asks God to please strengthen this Ephesian church according to the riches of his glory? What does that mean? What do you think that means? Of God's glory? Is that what he, Yeah, so Paul is saying, dear God, strengthen this church according to the riches of your glory. So Amen. Either strengthen it to your, like, to your own will, or it could be talking, so it could be talking about it metaphorically about his glory being his will or if he's saying like actual value where his glory would be immeasurable so it's like okay immeasurable. okay i like it what else what else do we think that might mean what does according to riches and glory mean griff what do you think what about now am i a rich man i think i am a bank account would probably say you're not as rich as you feel, but I feel rich because of the blessings that I have. But if you, if Macy was like, or let's just do Simon. If Simon was like, what's up, man? We just met. I need some money. Please give me all that you have. And I said, all right, Simon, out of my riches, I'm going to bless you. How far would that go, Macy? <laughs> it's okay. To, it might get him through a semester of college. You know, I'd be like, hey, man, good job. Now, compared to God, according to the riches of his glory, how far do you think that might go? How rich is God? He's infinitely, he's infinitely abundant. So what I think Paul is saying is that God, or he's asking God to please bless this church 
in deep abundance, right? We, Emma always answers, we are to live the abundant life here and in heaven. Does that mean that we're going to be rich as people? No, but it means that our inner peace and our inner strength can be overflowing with abundance because God will continually give to us. Unlike Cole, who would only be able to send, you know, maybe Simon to the local community college for one semester, God can richly bless you, not necessarily monetarily or physically, but he can richly, spiritually bless you without end. And so that's what God's asking. I mean, what Paul's asking, hey, bless them according to your riches, which is infinite. And so I I love that verse. Now, 17 and 19, Griffin pointed out, and Andrew pointed out very well, that Paul is saying, hey, you need to be rooted and grounded. What is it that Paul wants them to know? Like, what does he want them to be rooted and grounded in? His love. His love? Who said that? Brody? Okay. They are rooted and grounded in love. Good. So, does anyone remember famous chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13? Not if you remember the whole thing. That would be awesome. It does. It is. It is. It's just often used at weddings to give. Um, I'd have to turn to it. I, I wasn't, but you know, if you just spouted out, that would have been amazing. But, um, but Paul, even Paul, let's stay on task. That's great. We'll get that later. But I got it. It's okay. I don't need you to read it. But um, actually, while you're there. Read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So, if you're rooted and grounded in love, do you th- like? Do you see what he's saying? He's comparing things, Simon. He's saying like, I can even be killed for the faith, but if I don't actually love people, then it's for nothing. And or, you know, I could I could do the most miraculous thing in the world, Jack. I could heal. God could allow me to heal someone, but if I don't do it from a inner dwelling of loving God, then it doesn't matter. And so he's talking about, again and again and again, they need to be rooted and grounded in love. And then Parks highlighted, he wants them to understand the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of that love, which is immeasurable. Um, so that's kind of what the passage is talking about. So let's kind of ask ourselves, so what, so what does that matter? What does that matter to us as teenagers in 2023, some 2,000 plus years removed from Paul and the church of Ephesus? Do you think any of these churches in the New Testament are still around, Maddox? Are any of these churches still around today in the Bible? No, they're not. So like we're really far removed from, wasn't a trick question, I'm sorry. Uh, um, none of them are around. So like our cultures are different. They didn't have, they didn't have iPhones, okay? Wait. You could, go ahead, David. Wait, so like some of the churches, like, they're not... Gone. All of them are gone. So why, let's ask ourselves, so what does it matter to us in 2023? Why do you think it matters for Paul to mention verse 15? Look at verse 15. Read it for me, Reese. Verse 15. Why do you think he mentions this in his prayer? Because 
Okay, so this has to do with the mystery, Gavin. What is the mystery? Do you remember what the mystery is? Emma, do you remember what the mystery is? Mystery of the gospel? <laughs> Explain to all peoples. The mystery Co-heirs of Christ. Very good. That's exactly what it says in uh, in uh, verse 8. And so, well done. It helps us to remind us that the rule and the lordship of God is not just the God of Jews, but he's also the God of believing Gentiles. And so he, and not just that, he's not just the God of Jews and Gentiles, but is God the father of all living things, even the animals. Now, we don't think that animals have souls and can repent, but I'm sorry, Macy. But uh, talk about that another day. Um, but we believe that God created the trees outside and that that's living and God is God of that. So God is God of all things. And because of that, he's the creator of every family on earth. Do you believe that? Like that he knows Reese just as intimately as he knows Simon and Simon's brother and Bubba and brother Bubba's siblings? Yes. That's a tough one, Bubba. That's a that's a tough crowd, man. That's uh Bubba said one time in children's church that pets don't go to he- heaven and people went crazy. So uh I mean Hey, they they made the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven for Exactly. And that reason is dumb. But uh so, All right, anyways, back back on stop. So Paul is saying this. Why do you think he's David? Why do you think he's saying this in, in the very beginning of this of this sermon? Why do you think he's acknowledging that everything is ruled by God? Why do you think that? Because he made it, and he. But like when you, when you if you're praying and the first thing you say is "Dear God, just thank you for everything." What are you doing? Praising, Praising him. You're being humble. You're being humble, right? You're realizing that. Here's God, and then here's you. So is Paul doing the same thing? Yeah, he's doing the same thing. He's being humble. He's saying, like, I am not, even though God has placed me somewhere, I am humble, I am lowly, I am created just like Jake. I'm just a human. So he moves on. Now, in verse 17, Paul uses some imagery. Um, What do you think... The tenses of these words, like past tense, present tense, future tense. What do you think the tenses of these verb words, these action words in verse 17, tell us about our relationship with Christ? So I'll give you the words. You tell me what you think they mean. So the words are dwell, rooted, and grounded. Okay? So what type, what tense is dwell? Wait, no. Present Present tense words. So what do you think that means in that writing Paul is trying to communicate? To dwell. Do you think live there there continually, right, Brody? Like, he wants you to, he wants Christ to dwell in your hearts when? Just a little bit? Always, always, continually. Always. Well done, Maddie. Always. Now, what about rooted and grounded? What type tense words are those? Past tense. So, this is a bit of a harder theological question. What do you think Paul is saying about rooted and grounded and then being past tense words? 
he wants us to he wants us to have a strong foundation because yeah, later on he wants us to like back then we started it but he wants us mm. to grow yeah good job bro and also when we have a strong David first I know and also when you have like a strong old strong foundation you'll you want you have that old strong foundation but you'll also learn new things to well done out your old strong foundation. so this is this is neat so pay attention Emma. Our communion with Christ is ongoing. Now, Griffin, we use the word justified, right? We use that a lot. What does that mean? Um, when God looks at, uh, you. Us in days, he kind of He's and, and that's already happened, right? Once you've repented, God justifies you, and that's permanent, right? That you cannot that cannot go away from you. Does anyone know what John ten talks about when God talks when Christ is talking about the sheep? And he's saying, um, I won't lose one of these sheep, that Satan won't take one of these sheep away from me. So he's saying, once you're saved, you're mine forever. So you hear this saying a lot, once saved, always saved. You ever heard that? So here's my question. I can't, I can't tackle it right now. Let me keep going. So, but our communion is ongoing and complete. But through our faith, Christ sealed us in his union with us. Because we've been, like Brody was saying, we've already been, once we repented of our sins, we've been rooted and planted at the beginning, right? Like a new little tree, we've been rooted and planted, and it's immovable, right? Because we're planted in Christ, we cannot be shaken. But we will, like David uh, pointed out, we will continue to grow and blossom and bear fruit. And And the Bible talks extensively about that. Now, verses 18 and 19, let's look at that real quick. I'll read it for you again. Maybe I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Why do you think he would want... Remember, Paul is writing to a church, okay, a specific group of people. And this church is struggling to remember the, that the gospel is powerful. And they're struggling to live out their identity as Christians. Okay, so they're in a bit of a tight spot. And why do you think he's, he's wanting them to comprehend and know a love that he says? He uses the word. I didn't say it. He said it. Surpasses knowledge. Why do you think he wants them to understand that? Because he doesn't want them to think about it like just react to it and love it. Yes, very good. Good job. He, this is a key reality for this church is that Paul is addressing the difference between maturing in Christ and experiencing Him. Now, as Christians, we understand that we must know, we must fully grasp the knowledge of who God is, right? When, whenever those of you that have repented and become Christians and been saved, the Holy Spirit at one point convicted you in your heart that you were a sinner and you came to knowledge of who God was in that moment, Right? And, but from that moment on, you begin to also experience God um, because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what God calls him our helper. And so the fullness of God, he's saying, I want you to have the fullness of God from him and also with him in communion. So God also reveals himself and dwells with you at the same time. And so he's saying, I need you to understand and comprehend as best as you can, even though it cannot be comprehended, completely comprehended or understood. So I know that's that's quite of an intense question. But um, and what I what I like to think about, and I thought about Macy when I was thinking about this verse, is that let's think about puppies. Okay, 
puppies. Oh All right. Now this is a crude. This is a crude. This is a very poor comparison to the love of God. So please don't quote me on this. So you see, you see online. Okay, maybe even Presley like. <laughs> No puppies? You don't like puppies? So online, you see, you see a picture, uh, maybe on Instagram or on whatever, and you see a little puppy, and you're like, oh my gosh, I love that dog. I love that puppy. And so now, I'm not listening to him. That's not part of my story. So I have a knowledge that that puppy exists, and I love it, just by the way it looks. And I'm like, that thing is cute. But then it's a total different understanding when you get your own puppy and you experience it for yourself and you love it and you experience it. And so what Paul is saying, like, it's one thing for you to know who God is and to love him, but you also need to experience him. And so, yes. We've already touched on this tonight. I can't broach that question. I don't think so. I don't think so, but that's not. That's. Where you think? All right, let's. Uh, we got a little off on the pet, but the idea of puppies, right? You see one, and you know what it is, and you love it, but it's a whole different thing to be given one and to live with it and to raise it and to nurture it. And so Paul is saying, I want you to have that same type of relationship with God. It's one thing to know him from the Bible. It's a whole other thing to experience him personally. So he goes in verse 20, Parks, and he says, God is able to do far more abundantly than we all think. How might that reality affected the way that Paul is praying? So it's a hard question, but Paul, and I'm going to give you a little hint, and all of you can answer. Paul is reminding the Ephesians of God's ultimate rule. Now, if you go back to Ephesians 2, which we were in four weeks ago, Paul talks about how God has the singular, meaning he's the only one that can do it. He has the singular potential of changing someone's eternal destination. So what does that mean? Changing someone's eternal destiny. Like where they end up? where they end up when they die. Now, we all pass from this earth, and I hope you're all very old, and y'all all come to my funeral one day, and you're like, he was a good man. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but we all die. And so, but Paul is saying God is the only one that can change your eternal destiny. And so he's saying, you know, in verse 20, what God can do is far more than you can imagine. Um, Paul understands in that moment that there is an importance for praying to God and asking him for specific requests. Like we do pray to God and we say, God, I uh, have prepared as, as well as I can for this test. Please calm my nerves and, and help me to recall, recall the information that I need to do, to do as best as I can. But then sometimes we also pray like, God, I'm just a little bit sad and I don't know why. It does not help at all. Well, it's not because God doesn't care, but... No, like, I study, and I do hard. Like, Hush, I Jake, that's not true. I study work hard stuff, but I still, like, you know, like, freak out and stuff. Well, we can talk about that another day. But, what? 
So, in the verse, we can see that Paul knows that his requests that he makes to God are limited by his human reason. And so that's why, that's why that was a harder question, um, Parks. But he knows that by the, in times, by the times he ends this prayer, he knows that he's not even scratched the surface of what God can do. But he's asking him, look, please help me here. Okay, so we talked about what this means. So what does it matter to us? And now how do we apply these specific parts of Scripture to our life? So we've talked about understanding and growing in God's love. What are some ways, and you can just say what you think, some ways that you can actively seek to grow in your understanding of God's love? What do you think? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Pray. 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 Good. Go to church. What parts? Go to church. Repent. Sing songs of worship and praise. What about... Hashtag I'm sorry, Griff. Live your life in a way that is God-honoring. What about coming and fellowshipping with your fellow teenagers? Yeah. That's a way to grow in understanding of love. Go into a Christian school. Go into a Christian school. Go into public schools. Equally as important. Um, now, how might you better implement it in your own personal life? Study more and find time to create, create time. Time's there. We just have to create it right. Like sometimes, like people will get like you know, like they'll be like, "Oh, I don't want to do this." It's like it'll take time out of my schedule. Like, yeah. So if we actually were to do these things, how do you think our lives might look different? If Paul's prayer was answered even in our own group if we all if this this prayer that he prays from 14 through 21 is answered how might our group look different a lot <laughs> well done parks thank you i mean we would just know about god and we'd be with him we'd be very strong in knowing have a deeper relationship with him now the two things and that he talks about everybody would do it instead of just certain people yep yep <laughs> We would all be collectively closer to the Lord, myself included, but all of us. Um, he talks about, remember the two reasons he wrote this book? Mm-hmm. We would have a deeper sense of what? Knowledge. And? Uh, a bond. Unity, yeah, right? He talks about the unity, his identity in Christians. Um, but even even though, and, and Brody was, and both of you were right to point this out, it's not all about indiv- individual transformation. It's also about the group implications, the corporate implications of the gospel. So, for example, we talk about who's your mission a lot at this church. Is who's your mission only about the people on that list who are lost? No, no, no. everyone. But it also impacts what this church, yes. this church, and me, right? So, if if do you think if if the Lord blesses us and everyone on that list is saved, do you think that'll change our church? No. Yeah, absolutely, in a great way, like a. You want? Okay. No, he's talking about like. Like spiritually, yeah, like we would all, we'd probably depend on him much more. And I pray that happens. You know, we're, we're off to a great start. So what are some things, and this is the last question, what are some things, and then, then we'll wrap it up and go home. What are some things in our lives that, that keep us from experiencing the love of Christ 
or believing in the power of God. Some peer pressure. Some of them may be feelings, right? Peer pressure, idols. fear, depression, idols, anxiety, depression, idols. What about yeah, like comfort? I, I just want to be comfortable. I don't want to be too uncomfortable. I don't want to. Like Physical things, yeah, tangible things. Social media, drugs, alcohol, family, money. Other people. Other people. Wanting to fit in the crowd. Yeah, so how do we work through those things as, as Christians? Praying to God about it or asking like a stronger, a, a well understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a person like, what I like to do is I like to like go up to and ask people that have, like, I know that I've gone through it. That, that like, good, exa- good advice. Gone through like the, that problem. And so yeah. they can help me lead, lead yeah. me through that. So if like Maddox is having a hard time and although I don't know all answers, that's why I want you to come to me because I've probably been through it. You know, I'm just a little bit older than you. I've already been a teenager once, and I've already been in college once. So I could probably help you as best as I can to say, here's how you avoid further issues, further downfalls. Um, But the main takeaway is that no matter what we go through and no matter how difficult things are, is that God's love for us through Christ is immeasurable. It cannot be measured. It is infinite. And so that gives us comfort, knowing that God loves us more than we can actually comprehend. Even though Paul is praying, I want you to comprehend this love that surpasses knowledge. But then also, the power of God is beyond imagination. So no matter what we're facing, the difficulties or even the good things or the unknowns in the future, whether we feel like God hears us or not or answers us or not, God does, and his power is beyond imagination. And he has given us, through Christ, everything that we need for life, all of life. That's why when I ask him every week, why does it matter to us that Christ died for us? Because we can have an abundant life here and one in eternity. And he's given us all of this so that we can bring him glory and live a godly life. And the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, grants us the gift to continually grow, even though we're firmly rooted, planted trees. Once we repent of our sins and, and, and accept God as our Savior, we were we can then grow and blossom into full believers and, 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 and grow in his knowledge and experience him deeply. Okay? Any, any questions? No. Concerns? No. Snide remarks? Yes.